0: Welcome to the Elevate Life podcast channel. A channel focused on helping you establish a biblical philosophy of life that will empower you to reach your full God-given potential. For more information about our church, visit elevate.life. Enjoy this episode. Hey, stand up on your feet real quick. We're about to get into service, but we like to start this part of the service by saying some things about us that God says about us. So put your hand on your heart. The words will be on the screen say this with me. I declare that I'm created in the image of God. I am blessed to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and take dominion. I declare that 2022 is my year of promise for me, my family, my finances, and my future. I declare, according to 2 Corinthians 1:20, that all the promises of God in him are yes and in him. Amen. Yes and amen. Today, I open up my mind. That camera just freaked me out just now. I didn't know what was happening. I saw a shadow. Thought I was getting brum-rushed on the stage. Anyway, today, I open up my mind to receive the promises of God so I can think like God, be like God, and do life the way God intended for me to live. Put your hands up. Come, Holy Spirit. Help me elevate my thinking so I can elevate my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God a big hand. Give yourselves a big hand. You can be seated. We're in Alaska. It's a wilderness. You don't know if we're gonna get attacked. Have to. I'll come at you like a can't say a spider monkey. Not that small. I'll come at you like a grizzly bear. Uh, it's gonna be a fun series. This week we're in Alaska, and uh, we want to welcome Wade and Connie Tilly are watching from Alaska today. So hope you're having a great time. Hope the weather is better for you than it is for us. And uh, we got Ron from Eureka, California watching, and uh, y'all give Ron a big hand, and then we have a watch party in Wichita, Kansas today. So uh, we got a lot of good things going on, and um, I encourage you guys to dress up, let's have fun, you know, For we're here, we might as well have a good time, and uh, you know, if you're used to going to some boring church, I'm so sorry, you're not there anymore though, so... Here at Elevate Life, we're not about that life. And, uh, uh, appreciate you, Diego. Um, so, in this series, we're just talking about kind of different locations, and, and uh, we're gonna go to some different places and have a good time. Um, this is a picture of Alaska. This is uh, Alaska shaped uh, a lot like Alaska. And I wanna tell you some, <laughs> some facts about Alaska. Uh, Alaska is twice the size of Texas, and this is what it would look like right here if you put it inside the continental US. One of my favorite things about Alaska is that its population density is one person per square mile. (laughs) New York City, by comparison, has 27,000 people per square mile. If the island of Manhattan had the same population density, only 16 people would live there. So Alaska's an introvert's dream. The northernmost, this is understandable, uh, easternmost and westernmost points in the United States are all in Alaska. It's further west than Hawaii and further east than Maine, according to the Prime Meridian. Now you might not know what the Prime Meridian is. It's a pretty much an imaginary line that goes 180 degrees around the planet, and it separates east from west. And there's little islands called the Aleutian Islands that are part of Alaska— This little island all the way here to seemingly the west is actually the furthest east point in the United States of America because it's right past the prime meridian. Parts of Alaska can get up to 19 hours of sunlight per day, depending on the season. This is called the midnight sun. That's what it looks like in the middle of the night in times like this. And then in Alaska, they have the northern lights, 243 days a year in Fairbanks. And uh, so I got the chance a little while ago to go to Alaska with Courtney. It's like, I love going to places where there's not people. Um, there's a song by Hank Williams Jr. And he said, send me to hell or New York City it would be about the same to me. Uh, me and Hank are about the same. So, uh, and I want to show you our trip to Alaska through the eyes of, of Charlie, our, our four year old daughter, because when we went to Alaska, she gave us this little bear. And this little stuffed bear, and she said, I want you to take this, I want this bear to go on vacation with you. It was really sweet and really fun. So everywhere we went, this is how great of a mom that Courtney is. Everywhere we went, she took a picture of this bear in some location. So this is uh, this little stuffed bear that Charlie gave us in front of the Space Needle in Seattle. And uh, when we were in Seattle, there was a particular night. We were walking around. We were heading back to our our hotel. And... uh, um, we were in a really nice kind of area of town, but we happened to turn a corner, and in, in this particular place, it was really well lit, and there was no one on the street except for one person. This whole block had one person on it, and this one guy uh, had two knives, and he had a, two Bowie knife-looking knives. They weren't like little pocket knives. They weren't knives you'd put in your pocket. They were like, you know, eight-inch, 12-inch. That's not a knife. This is a knife. It was that kind of knife. One of them was stuck in the side of a tree, and uh, the other one was in his hand, and he was doing some kind of like knife fighting, you know, situation preparing for battle with someone who was inevitably going to turn the corner. So we turned the corner, and we happened to be about 150 feet, 200 feet from this guy, close enough that I could see what he was doing, and I guess Courtney couldn't. And so I saw what he was doing, and I said, let's go to the, he was on one side of the street, and there weren't any cars, so I said, let's cross to the other sidewalk on the other side of the street and give this guy a really wide berth. I said, hey, Courtney, come with me, but I didn't want to say it too loud, because I didn't want him to notice that there were people there for him to potentially knife fight, and uh, just wanted him to be in his own little world with his tree, dealing with whatever crisis that he was dealing with where he felt like this tree deserved whatever it was getting. So we turned the corner, Courtney doesn't hear me, and not only did she walk towards this guy, I feel like she made a beeline towards this guy. It was like, there's a person, I'm gonna walk directly towards them, and we'll see what happens. So when she didn't listen to me, and she just kept walking, I'm going this way, she's going that way, I'm like, oh my goodness, I better stay with Courtney and just prepare myself For whatever it is that's about to happen. So we get about 10 feet from him, and all of a sudden I feel Courtney get afraid. I feel like she goes, because she noticed the knife. (laughs) Knives, not knife, knives, multiple knives. There were plural knives in this situation. And uh, this guy, I guess he had whatever issue he had with this tree wasn't dealt with yet, so he didn't notice us. I kind of got between Courtney and him, and I was just like watching him, you know, and then we walked... (laughs) We walked past him, and then I walked past him like this. Like, I'm not going to get stabbed in the back, bro. I didn't have my hiking poles, so I was ready to use my arms as hiking poles in that situation. And uh, he didn't do anything to us. And when we walked off, I said, did you not <laughs> Did you not see the fact that this guy was wildly chopping at this, at this tree? And she goes, no, I didn't notice any of that at all. And uh, so that was the first thing that happened when we got to Seattle, but we're not even to Alaska yet. So it shows you that's... That's known as foreshadowing. (laughs) So uh, then we went on a hike. We hiked up this mountain. It's like the best hike in Alaska. We were in Ketchikan, Alaska. We hiked up this mountain called Deer Mountain. It's it's about a two hour up hike, two hour down. It's 2,000 feet of elevation gain. Everyone that told us said, yeah, it's a pretty hard hike, but when you get to the top, it's amazing. You have the greatest view that you've ever seen. I guess they were talking about how awesome it was to get to see fog, because here we are at the top of Deer Mountain, overlooking Alaska, 2,000 feet in the air. That would have been a really great picture for us to take on the ground. So, as you can see, I'm standing in a some kind of power stance. I was still a bit charged up after our encounter with uh, the homeless man, and. uh, so this is me and Courtney on this hike. This is, the, this is that bear on that hike. And uh, after that, after we went to Ketchikan, we went to Juneau. And right outside Juneau, there's a, there's a, a place called uh, the Mendenhall Glacier. It's kind of like a national forest, a national park. It's not that big of an area. All the trails are paved. It's not like a wilderness area. It's, uh, it's definitely my kind of hike uh, because you don't go up and you don't go down. You just stay straight and you're on the pavement and there's plenty of benches to sit on. So. So this is uh, this bear in front of, um, do, did it have a name? I keep saying this bear. It was just Charlie's bear. She called it the bear. So this is the bear in front of the, uh, in front of the waterfall by Mindenhall G- Glacier. This is me and Courtney Promen. I call this Promen. This is Prompos. And uh, this says Promen. And so we, we were at this glacier, and, and this glacier is about, uh, there's a parking lot. Like I said, it's the best hike I've ever been on. Cause it's about 2000 feet from the glacier to the parking lot. It's amazing. It's straight the whole time and then paved and amazing. <laughs> so my heart rate didn't get up at all. I was like having a great day. So we walk away, we start to walk away from uh, where the glacier and the waterfall are. And there's a there's a, if you can picture it, there's, a, there's this paved path that we're on. On the right side of the paved path is like this big, wide-open wilderness area. There's a huge lake. There's all these trees. It's like huge, massive, wide-open wilderness Alaska experience. To the left of us is about 15 feet of green foliage, trees, stuff like that, and then a sheer cliff face that just goes straight up, 100-plus feet. So we're walking by this, um, we're walking on this path, just heading back to the parking lot with like, seems like a thousand other people. And all of a sudden all these people start lining up in front of the cliff and they're just looking like this. They're standing there and they're looking at the cliff. And then we, re- we realized that the, what these people are looking at is a mama bear and two cubs that are in this 10 foot of foliage next to the cliff. And uh, I don't know a lot about bears. Like I said, my kind of hike is a paved hike, not a wilderness guy. Uh, don't do none of that. Deer Mountain was not my favorite. I don't camp. I don't. You know, here's my thing about camping. People are like, let's go camping. You know, people used to have to live that way, and then they went and they built houses. They created air conditioning, and they made cars. So why would I, for fun, like my ancestors would be mad at me for camping because they would say we had to do that. And then we created all this other stuff so you didn't have to do that anymore. And now you're doing that for fun? That doesn't make sense. That's how I feel about camping. So I'm not an outdoors guy. I'm not a wilderness guy. If you want to go fishing, go hiking, that's awesome. You go do that. If you call me, I will not answer. I will not be there with you. So... Um, I don't know a lot about wilderness, but I do know enough to say, you don't mess with a mama bear and its cubs, and you definitely shouldn't stand in front of a bear where there's a wall behind it, because that bear is gonna go somewhere and probably not gonna go into the wall. (laughs) So all these people are lined up facing this bear, and I'm just standing back, looking at what's about to obviously ensue, the mayhem that's about to happen, like someone is gonna get straight mauled by a bear in front of me, and uh, I thought the homeless man was bad, but this is gonna be worse, and uh, so we're we I'm like observing this and experiencing this, and then something happens, and we happen to get some video of it. So watch this video. I can
1: barely see it on the phone. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I've heard it before. Oh <gasps> shit! But yes,
0: time. <laughs> I was there. Yeah, y'all just felt that in the room, like we would have unleashed a wild black bear. Um, now I was there. So I'm watching this. I'm a ways away. I'm like, these idiots. These clowns. And that bear comes out. And uh, if you notice... Kind of the only thing I feel like that stopped it was there was a little tree. I know you want to watch it again, so let's watch it again. Notice this little tree that shook the bear and made him think, oh, I'm about to kill somebody. So watch it again. Just watch it again. A little stick there on the left. People are whispering. I don't
1: see the bear. Where is it?
0: Let's get our phone cameras out film this. Oh, this yes, little so shoulder hit a tree and it went, oh man, I guess I'm not going to come that far out of this, out of this, uh, whatever situation I'm in. And, um, so I thought to myself, well, whoever got, whoever was going to get attacked by the bear deserved it. You might be wondering why I have that video. It's because my wife was standing right there filming <laughs> and, uh, So Charlie's bear got to uh, meet a bear face to face. (laughs) So this bear comes out of there, everyone's like, oh, everyone goes running, and I go, oh my gosh, Courtney's not standing next to me. I look and I see that she's standing right where the bear came out. And uh, so Courtney's here today, and I would love to get her response live and in full effect in front of all of you. So, y'all welcome Courtney to the stage. As she discusses her bear experience. Did you turn it on? Yeah. Courtney's not on the stage a lot. Oh, she turned it on for you? Yes. Good. Courtney's not on stage a lot, so no, but I, I kind of prepared her a little bit. She was like, Are you gonna have me on stage? I said, Yeah, probably just be ready. So here we are. So yes. um Yeah, Courtney! We have fun. So uh, first, I guess everyone uh, inquiring minds want to know what, like what, with this homeless man, let's start there. We'll get to the bear. Because I didn't get any, I didn't happen to get any pictures of that situation. So what were you like thinking when you saw him? Did you see him? Did you notice that he was, you know, practicing?
1: Okay. I saw him, but... I feel bad, because I feel like... They yeah, like, would have been offended. He's probably used to people seeing him and walking the other like way. Like ignoring him, yeah. I didn't want
0: him... We wanted to be like Jesus in that I, moment. If
1: I had seen the knives, I would have done it, but <laughs> I just didn't You didn't like, want to
0: hurt his feelings. Didn't want to hurt his feelings. Yeah, by walking I, away from a guy wielding a knife.
1: I didn't think he would hurt me, but... Why, yeah, and why? he didn't, so I was right. Why,
0: why would you... <laughs> yeah, you were right. <laughs> But why would you? Why would you think? Oh, I don't think this guy will hurt me. Just like felt that in your heart. I don't you know. Yeah, he. I'm- that's good. All right. So <laughs> that's the first thing that happened. Like I said, then we found the bear. So uh, why were you standing in front of where the bear was? Okay. <laughs>
1: I love bears. I have a tattoo of a bear. Yes, of a bear.
0: Of a bear. So our that, dog is named Bear. Our dog's
1: named Bear. Uh, so when we got to the glacier that morning, I, I mean, I guess I would say I prayed, yeah. but I was just like God, like I just want to see a bear on this trip. And so like 20 minutes. Yeah, I was minutes, thinking
0: like 500 feet away. 20 like, minutes maybe. later,
1: it's like he's answered my prayer. And so I, I never felt scared. I. I, a bear would never hurt me.
0: Oh, uh, so why? It knows I love it. Okay. Grizzly so man. Why in your, Grizzly man, yeah. You watched that movie, that guy thought that too. Uh, so why would you think in your mind, this bear's not going to hurt me?
1: I, I feel like I told you, I kind of felt like I was at the zoo. Like I had that level of safety, like there's no way. There's no like, fear. I'm, I'm on a sidewalk, like this bear, it's a sweet bear.
0: This 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 is who I'm married to. We're absolutely full sinned at all times. We're no, one with if nature our kids and throw we're gonna handle it. I'm done. It, yeah. Well, if the kids throw up, but like if a bear shows up or a guy wants to knife fight us, I'll take we, a
1: bear every day.
0: Let's go. Y'all give Courtney a big hand. No. I'm not married to some frail little person. That bear ain't gonna attack me. Come on, bro. I wanted to see you today. I hope this would happen. I'm <laughs> like. So also, the great husband that I am, I have no idea where my wife is. <laughs> Just like, people are going to get killed by a bear. Yeah, it's not going to be us. Oh, no, you know. <laughs> so that was my personal Alaska experience. I'm so grateful that Courtney was there because we have a lifetime memory forever. I, that's one of the best things now that I've ever experienced. Like, and, then, and then Courtney said this after the service. So, so someone asked her, they said, She's like, you weren't afraid of getting attacked or anything? She's like, no, it would be an amazing scar. <laughs> just have a, just, my arm will be stuck like this because they tore off my whole muscle. But what happened to you? I got attacked by a bear. It was awesome. It's kind of, that's like, I'm like, yes, this is why I married you. We were freaking ready at all times to, do, to dominate the earth. Bible says, fill the earth and take dominion. Courtney's like, I'm going to take dominion because this bear's not going to hurt me. It's my friend. It knows who the master is. I'm the master. Man. Thank you for being that way. Courtney's quiet, but she's a freaking warrior, man. I wasn't there. Far away from the bear. So... I want to talk about, like kind of in the context of that, the Bible actually gives us permission to not be afraid. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, this is kind of our jumping off point, the, the, the perspective I want to give you today biblically. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says this. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And uh, this, is what, this is what the Bible tells us that we are. So when we look at these words, it's important, you know, the, the Bible wasn't originally written in English. Um, books were written in different languages, Aramaic, Hebrew, Greek. It's, it's great to look at the original language because the words mean something a little bit different than maybe our modern uh, English words like fear mean. So when we look at fear in the Greek, it's this word dahlia. And it means a lack of mental or moral strength, the the definition really of cowardice. And then when we look at power, God's given us a spirit of power. That's this word dunamis. And there's a lot of studies that have been done on the word dunamis, but the short definition I would give you is that the word dunamis means the capability to work wonders that God has given us. If we have his spirit within us, God has given us the capacity and the capability to work wonders in our life. But the main thing I wanna talk about is this word self-discipline or self-control. That's this word, uh, sophronismos is the Greek word. word. And the Greek word sophronismos means prudence. It means to point out which course of action that you should take and govern and discipline yourself using reason. This word is borrowed uh, in the Bible, it's borrowed from Greek philosophy, it's borrowed from ancient philosophy. Ancient philosophers and early Christian theologians considered sophronismos, self-discipline, to be the mother of all virtues, the mother of all core values. Because without self-discipline, without prudence, bravery becomes recklessness, mercy becomes weakness, Freedom becomes criticism, humility becomes arrogance, and selflessness a lot of times becomes corruption. If you want to think about this in a different way in terms of the language that we use here at Elevate Life, sophronismos is our ability to access wisdom. It's not our ability to be wise, it's our ability to access it. It gives us the power to choose between good and best, not just between bad and good. So I want to paint you this picture. A lot of us, the way that we live life, the kind of perspective that a lot of times we have is we're trying to do more good things than bad things. We know what's bad and we know what's good. Paul says in Scripture, he says, the things that I don't want to do, I do, and the things that I do want to do, I do those things. And uh, a lot of times we struggle with what's called sin. Now, you, you and I might be people that we don't want to call ourselves sinners. Sinners is like a really bad word for us to call ourselves. So we say, well, you know, I'm not like perfect, I make mistakes. Now a mistake is something that you do and you're ignorant, something you do and you don't know any better. A sin is a mistake that you make on purpose. So we know not to be angry, but the Bible tells us in our anger do not sin because some people get angry and they choose not to control their emotions and make bad decisions when they're angry. They do things that they know that they shouldn't do when they get upset. That's sin because it's a mistake that we make on purpose. So the Bible talks to us about this idea of sophronismos that we don't just have the power to differentiate between good and bad. You know, the ability to know what's good and to know what's bad doesn't mean that you have the capability to do good things. Just because I know what's good and I know what's bad doesn't mean that I do good, it just means I have knowledge of what's good and what's bad. I have to actually have the self-control, the self-discipline to do good things. Those are different things. They work together, but they're different things. So wisdom, what is wisdom? Wisdom is the difference between good and best. There's a good way to live and there's a best way to live. There's good things that we could do and there's best things that we could do. And God wants us to live our best life. Jesus says in John chapter 10 that he came that we might have life and life abundantly, life to the full. He wants us to have a remarkable life. And so when we talk about sophronismus, it's our ability to apply wisdom. It's our ability to live according to what's best, not just know what's best. A lot of people know what's best, but very few people do what's best. All of us in this room, if you're an adult in this room and you've, you're my age, say you're in your 30s, you know that working out and cardiovascular exercise is a healthy thing to do. But most of us do not do what is best for us for a bunch of different reasons. We don't have the ability to apply self-control to areas of our life. Aristotle said this, Aristotle said, anyone can get angry, that is easy, or give or spend money. But to do this to the right person, to the right extent, at the right time, with the right motive, and in the right way, that is not for everyone, nor is it easy. So anyone can do things, Anyone can uh, know about things, but very few people can do the right things at the right time. So when we talk about this idea of prudence, or self-control, or self-discipline, or sophronismos, or whatever word that you wanna use, that's, that's what the Bible is talking about. The Bible says you have the capacity within you at any point when you give God your life, you have the capacity within you to operate with wisdom to do wise things, to behave in a wise way. Wisdom is not something that we just know in our minds. Wisdom is something that we live out and we do every day. And why is this so important? The reason why it's so important is because our lives are not vacations. Life for us does not happen in like these big sweeping moments that are like massive mountaintop experiences. The the things that build our lives are the little things that we do every day. The life that you and I live is not the life that we live when we're in Alaska for a week or two. The life that we live is how we talk to our spouse every morning when we wake up and when we go to bed. That constitutes our life. The life that we live is what we say to each other at the dinner table and how we treat people that are in our family. The life that we live is how we treat our coworkers and how we treat our friends in seemingly insignificant and small interactions. We treat little things a lot of times like little things, but little things are not little things. So when the Bible talks about self-discipline, the Bible says God gives you a power of self-discipline, not so that when you face a bear you're not afraid, although that can certainly be true because it's true for Courtney, the the Bible gives you self-discipline so that every day, in every interaction, you can do the wise thing, you can do the best thing. That's what God wants to give us is the ability to do little things well. Pastor Keith says this. He says, when you take care of the little things, the big things take care of themselves. And all of us know this to be true. Because if you find yourself usually in some kind of crisis, it's not because some big massive thing happened that blew everything up, it's because a bunch of little things happened along the way and those things did not get handled well and so then it turned into a really big thing. A bunch of little things happened and those became a big thing. So if we take care of the little things in our life really well, then the big things will take care of themselves. The Bible says that little foxes spoil the vine. It's not something big that's going to kill us. It's the little things along the way that we don't do well. Everyone that I've known that's had a marriage fall apart did not have a marriage fall apart because they had one big fight. They had a marriage fall apart because a bunch of little stuff happened that led to a place where all those little things added together to become a really big thing. People that have lost relationships that I know, the people that they've lost best friends, they've been fired from their job, and I've been fired before, so I know what it feels like. I didn't get fired because I showed up late one time. I got fired because I showed up late 57 times, and the 57th time just happened to be the last time. So I didn't do little things well, so a big thing happened. And if I don't take care of the little things in my life, the big things that happen to me are not going to be that great. They're just going to be big things, And we look at things in our life and we think, well, that was a defining moment for me, or that was this huge situation that happened, but we never think about all the little things that led up to that moment that we had power over, that we had control over. In ancient China, there was a form of torture called ling Qi. This is better known as death by a thousand cuts. Ling qi, the the translation of ling qi is slow process. That's what what that word means in, in Chinese. What would happen when you experienced Ling Chi as an execution method was they would tie you to a stake. An executioner would tie you to a stake, and they would begin by making small cuts to your legs. Then they would cut your arms with progressively larger cuts until they got to your chest. And then they would begin making big cuts on your chest. And then after that, they would begin amputating your ears, nose, tongue, fingers, and limbs in larger parts And finally, the final cut they would make would either be they would cut your head off or they would stab you in the chest, in the heart. And I'm not saying this to be gruesome, but there were records of up to 3,000 cuts in different executions. And this process was said to take up to three days to complete. So we hear about this like, wow, that's insane. What does that have to do with Alaska? (laughs) In our life we don't realize that most of the time, the deaths that happen in our life are deaths by a thousand cuts. Our demise starts with little cuts, glances, attitudes, ignoring things, being unintentional, a lack of discipline. Maybe we're the kind of people that we're always getting offended. Things are always hurting our feelings. We're, we're ignorant. A lot of times we can be ignorant and we cannot realize that what we're doing is hurting us or that we're taking things the wrong way. Because here's the thing, there's a lot of places you and I could live. There's a lot of people that you and I can be around. And so a little cut in our life is offense because offense is something like, oh, you hurt my feelings. I'm going to go get a new friend. Instead of trying to deal with that offense, instead of us trying to navigate that, I'm just going to check out. and I'm going to leave. I'm going to go somewhere else. So we move somewhere else, we go live somewhere else, we leave someone else, someone else leaves us, and then we don't really ever take personal responsibility for that because it's easier for me to just leave this behind and kind of live with these little cuts. Then we get to the medium-sized cuts, though. So we stop doing things that we know that we should do. We neglect relationships. We don't control our emotions. We leave our spouse because they don't love us the right way. We quit our jobs because they don't value us. We don't work out because we're too tired. We stop serving. We stop putting God first. We stop hanging around the right people that are gonna challenge us to be better because that's just too much for me. We decide that the price for discipline in our spirit, soul, or body is not that important because we're not dying yet. So what people do, they go, and I've been this person, especially with working out, where I go, man, I'm just really tired. I don't need to go to the gym today. I mean, I feel fine. Right, I feel fine, like why should I work out? That's just gonna make me feel more tired. <laughs> I was talking to a friend of mine last night and he was saying, man, like I'm sad when I leave the gym. I'm like, every time I work out, I am so happy that this is over. I wish that, like I got to work out in the mornings and I wish that I didn't because I just wanna go home after I work out, but I got a full day of work after I go work out. It's like, man, come on. So the first thing that people do is they go, I'm too tired to do this. I don't wanna engage in this way. It's really the second thing they do. The first thing they do is like little cuts, but the the medium cuts start to happen in our lives because we just don't discipline ourselves. We don't do the things that we know to do. It's one thing to be ignorant. Ignorance is kind of a little cut. When I was in high school, my dad would talk to me about how ignorance still has consequences. So just because you didn't know doesn't mean that you get off the hook. If you don't know, and I've been pulled over this way before, like I've been, you know, all all these speed traps. Like, you have been driving in a place and they like put a speed limit sign like every 30 miles? Like what's wrong with y'all, you know? Not y'all, I mean the people that are doing this. The government. So I've been pulled over before and I've told the police officer, I didn't know the speed limit. I was just going with the flow of traffic. I don't care about that. You are breaking, breaking the law. Well, I didn't know the law. Well, you are still breaking it, so there's still a price you got to pay. Especially when you're in Durant, Oklahoma, where they would love to take your money. I don't even know if they have a courthouse. They just got a place you can mail money into. <laughs> so, we can, so we can say that we can claim ignorance. Ignorance is a little cut issue. It's like, well, I hadn't been married that long, so I don't really know how to treat my wife right. Or I was young and I was immature and I was stupid. That's kind of a little cut. That's a small price to pay. But then we become aware we're not ignorant anymore. And then even though we're not ignorant anymore, we still act as if we are, right? Right. So we say, well, I know that I probably shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do this anyway because it seems like there's not really that negative of a consequence to this, to this action. And then we don't realize that we're doing this death by a thousand cuts thing because we get to bigger cuts. And these bigger cuts are the things that make us start to feel a lot of pain. Bigger cuts are things in our life where if we don't deal with them or if we haven't dealt with the medium-sized cuts, Maybe a lack of physical discipline leaves us with mobility issues and all kinds of health issues. Maybe a lack of emotional discipline has caused us to lose important and valuable relationships that we really feel like we would have needed. Maybe a lack of mental discipline has left us not moving forward financially or in our careers. Maybe a lack of spiritual discipline has left us feeling like we have no meaning and purpose. What a lot of people do is they're just fine. They're just fine at work. They're just fine doing their job. But then they never develop a growth mindset. They never grow themselves. They never become any better. And these are the, people that, that, these are the kind of people that walk into their boss's office and say, hey, I deserve a raise because I've been here for 15 years doing the same job. And your boss is like, well, that's fine. You've been here for 15 years doing the same job. And so I'm going to keep paying you the same thing. You didn't grow, you didn't develop, you're not doing anything new, you're not taking anything else on. And as a person who kind of is a boss, Pastor Keith's really the boss, I get to be a boss sometimes, like role play. Uh, (laughs) Most of the time it's him. There's not a lot of value that I bring when I just do what I've always been doing. So if I grow and I develop, if I add new skills to my life, if I develop new tools, if I start to add value in a different way, then there's a path for me to move forward. There's been people that I've seen leave jobs because they say, well, that place didn't really have a career path for me. What does that even mean? Why does someone else have to tell you what your career is supposed to be? You're the one who's supposed to say, here's how I wanna add value, here's how I wanna grow, here's a skill for me that's a marketable skill that I can monetize, that I can add value to you, I can add value to you, I can add value to you because I have grown. But what people do is they need someone else to do it for them, because the big cut is the fact that I don't have a growth mindset, I have a fixed mindset. So they find themselves in positions where they can't move forward, and they like, feel like there's a ceiling above them because they didn't deal with the little cuts along the way, they didn't deal with the medium cuts along the way, and they find themselves experiencing a big cut. We see this a lot in church. I'm not saying this is the reason why you're in this room, but I've been in church work for a really long time now, and a lot of times the reason why people come to church is because they're at the end of themselves. They're starting to die, and they're like, I need to go somewhere, I need to go to church because I've tried everything else and it's not working for me. They They feel spiritually dead, they feel unfulfilled, they feel like they have lives without purpose, without meaning that they're not really doing anything significant because they never in their life got spiritually disciplined enough to give God their life. And so they they find themselves experiencing painful, difficult things because of their lack of sophronismos. Because of their lack of applying what is God's way, what is the best way. So it's not my goal today to say, "Hey, like here's all the things that are wrong with us," but the question is how can we avoid this? How can we be people that avoid death by a thousand cuts in our life? How can we be people that like the Bible says, we don't have a spirit of fear, we're not a coward, but we have a spirit of power. We know that we have the capability to work wonders. We know that we have that power. We know that we have a spirit of love, that we bring love everywhere that we go, and we know that we have self-control, we have self-discipline in any moment and in any season of our life. We have the power to apply wisdom and not just choose the good thing, but choose the best thing. Best thing, Pastor Keith says this. He says, whatever you become aware of, you can care about. Whatever you care about, you have the power to do something about. So there's three questions that we should ask ourselves to avoid death by a thousand cuts. And that's the first thing is, the first thing is, what do you need to become aware of? The second thing is, what do you need to care more about? And the third thing is, what something do you need to do? So like, I'll give you an example. We're in Alaska, this bear's attacking. I was unaware of where Courtney was in that moment, right? So I didn't really care about where she was in that moment. I wouldn't do anything about her being in front of a bear. That's a silly kind of like practical example, but a lot of men, let me give you an example from men because Pastor Keith will talk about this. A lot of men don't realize how bad their marriages are until it's already over, So men will be like, I just had no idea. I had no idea. It was this bad or she was being this way. That's my dumb country hick voice because that's about (laughs) the way those men are. All due respect, but not really because you're not really respectable. So here's the way to know. (laughs) Pastor Sheila told me not to be as cynical this service, so I'm not going to be critical. (laughs) Here's the way. Here's the way to begin to become aware of the state of your marriage. Just ask the question, how's our marriage doing? Just ask the question, right? Because then what your wife or your spouse will tell you is some things that you should probably care about that you're not currently caring about. And then if you can care about those things, you can do something about those things. Like I've told this story before. I told this story in our Life-osophy series that during 2020 when we were all locked down, Courtney's love language is quality time. And... We went a really long period without having consistent date nights. Well, for her, that was a big deal. For me, I didn't really care. I'm like, we're at home all the time together. We're locked down. We can't even go to the grocery store, blah, blah, blah. But I started to realize that there was some distance in our relationship because I wasn't caring about having quality time with Courtney because I was unaware of how important it was to her. So as soon as I became aware of how important quality time was to Courtney, I could care about having quality time with Courtney and I could do something about having quality time with Courtney. So since 2020 we've been I've been very strategic in my life about having consistent date nights every week. Why? Because I want to have a great marriage. So people in their life they they either choose to be unaware or they're not aware and they think it's okay to not be aware. It's not okay. It's not okay to not be aware because if you don't if you're not aware you don't care that's what pastor keith says your awareness is your careness so whatever you're aware of you can care about and if you care about something you can do something about it if i'm aware of my fixed mindset if i'm aware of the fact that i'm not growing and developing as a person then i can start to care about growing and developing as a person and then i can do something about growing and developing as a person i can go buy a book i can read a book Uh, I can go find a coach. I can do a lot of different things to grow, but that's only if I care about growing and if I've become aware of the fact that I need to grow. So these are the kind of questions that we should ask ourselves when we're like trying to figure out how not to die by a thousand cuts. Spiritually, what do you need to become aware of? Maybe you need to become aware of the fact that God loves you and he's for you and he's not some angry guy that's looking to punish you. Um, A lot of people grow up in a religious context where it's all about rules, and if you don't follow the rules, God's really mad at you. That's not really how God works. If you read scripture, God knew how we were gonna be, he knows who we are, he created you how you are, and so maybe you should become aware of the fact that God really does have a plan for your life and you should care about the fact that God has a plan for your life, and then you should do something about it. You should be the kind of person that says, what would it look like if I fulfilled God's plan for my life? This is what being involved in the church is about. It's about us coming together and this being a home base for us to go out and live the life that God's called us to live, but to come together and to be encouraged together about that. Maybe emotionally you're not aware, whatever those things are, if we can ask these three questions and answer these three questions, then what will happen is we'll begin to live a wise life. Because the Bible tells us that God did not give us a spirit of fear. God did not, and sometimes fear looks different for different people. Fear is not always like, oh my gosh, I'm so afraid. I don't want to, I don't want to get hurt in this situation. A lot of times fear looks like unawareness. I don't want to be aware of that. Like I'm a person, if my tooth hurts, I am not going to the dentist. I'm going to wait three years for it to go away. My tooth's just rotting away in my mouth like I'm not going He's going to tell me bad news and I'm not going to hear it. So some people don't want to become aware because then they'll have to deal with what they're aware of. Some people don't want to become aware of their spiritual state because then they'll really have to start giving giving God some stuff to work with in their life. Some people don't want to be aware of what the Bible says about giving because then they'll have to become generous. They'll have to do something about being generous. And so there's a lot of fear. I feel like... There's a lot of fear that's, that's rooted and grounded in a lack of awareness. Because if I'm ignorant, then I have an excuse. If I'm not ignorant, then I don't have an excuse anymore. A lot of people wanna to, want to not be aware of, how, of what it means to really love people, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, because once you're aware of that, you actually have to care about people and do something about it. But there's a place that we should start, and the place that we should start is by becoming aware of how much God loves us and how much he's for us. That's the first thing. Because you should care about yourself like God cares about you. And so many people don't. So many people live lives and they think they're meaningless people. They think that they're useless. They think that they don't have anything to offer. They think they have no gifts. They think they have no talents. They think they have no ability. And it's about time that you stopped agreeing with that and you started agreeing with what God says about you. But we live these lives, right? And we're not aware of how God feels about us. We're not aware of the spirit that God wants to put inside of us that says you have the power, you have the capability to work wonders. What would that look like if you just walked around working wonders all the time? You would be wonderful. (laughs) You would be full of wonder. There are some people that we know that they're just such wonderful people that everywhere they go, they work wonders in our life. There's some people, you know, you're around them and just the spirit of who they are. I have friends like that, that the spirit of who they are, it's like just, man, it's just wonderful being around this person. You know, God wants us all to be that way. He's given us that spirit of power to bring that into every circumstance and situation. But if we don't buy into that, if we're not aware of that, then we live our lives thinking that we just have nothing to offer. So can you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Because maybe you're in this room and... you're not realizing the fact that you can't conquer your fear by yourself. You really can't conquer your lack of awareness by yourself. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter one, and this is maybe the most important part of that particular passage of scripture, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. The only way God can give you anything is if you receive that gift. The first gift, the, well, not the first gift, but the most important gift that God gave was his son, Jesus so that we could have relationship with him, so that we could get the gifts that God has for us. And you might have walked in this church today, and it might not be about anything I said or anything I communicated or anything in worship. You just felt like now was the time for you to let go of whatever the spirit is that's been in you and and start grabbing hold of the spirit that God wants for you. You want that power. You want that love. You want that sound mind. We want to give you an opportunity just this morning, whether you're watching online or you're here in this room, to just make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and say, God, I don't want whatever things there are in the world. I want what you have for me. This is a rational, logical decision. The Bible, has given, the, the Bible tells us that God has given us reason and logic for a reason. You got to want that. So I want everyone that can hear my, hear my voice to pray this prayer and repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I give you my life. Help me become aware so I can care, so I can do something. In your name I pray. Amen. give those people that made that decision to big hand elevate life church. Because you got to know, you and I, we need to live life. This doesn't start with beating yourself up some more or saying, man, you know, I'm going to stop cutting myself. I'm going to get rid of these deaths by a thousand cuts. No, it's about being the kind of person that you start to see yourself the way God sees you. You're valuable. You're important. You're special. You have a fingerprint. Here's what we teach at this church. You have a fingerprint that no one else has to leave, an imprint that nobody else can leave on the world. If you understand that, then you're going to care more about yourself. You're going to care more about what you bring to circumstances and situations. So you're going to do things a little bit differently because maybe you'll start to see yourself as actually important. Maybe you'll go to work this week and think, man, the attitude that I bring here changes the atmosphere here. When I'm here, there's capability to do wonders in this place. When I'm here... When I'm in the room, it's wiser. When I'm in the room, it's more loving. When I'm in the room, great things happen. If I'm not in the room, great things aren't gonna happen. That's how God wants you to see yourself. That's what the Bible says. God has not given you a spirit of shrinking back and being a nothing and being a nobody. God has given you a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and the ability to be a wise person in every circumstance and situation, and he wants us to operate that way. So now's the time for us to be those kind of people. And thank you for buying into being those kind of people because God is absolutely wanting to change the world in us and through us. And it's time that we started to see ourselves that way and think that way. You're not just you. You're not just your last name. You're not. I love what, another thing that Pastor Keith says. He said it for a really long time. Since I was a little kid, he would say this at strike force events. He would say, you're not who you think you are. You're not who other people think you are. You're not who you think other people think you are. You are who God says you are. And when you know that, you change your relationship to every person, place, and thing in your life. So that's how we're going to start this series is by just saying, man, God, I'm going to go fight some bears today. (laughs) I'm going to go be the kind of person that I could just walk straight up on a dude with a knife and be like, that dude ain't going to do nothing. I freaking roll hard, man. Man, I love Courtney so much. Huh? Yo, she said, that's true. That's so good. That's a great thought. I'm not fighting the bear. I'm loving the bear. I'm more of a bear fighter. You're a bear lover. And that's why me and the bear would fight and you and the bear would be friends. So it's time to go love your bears today. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our channel to be notified of our latest episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. That way, you know when a new episode has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, visit elevate.live forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.